And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Mythbits. Hey everybody, and welcome to the World of Myth Bits, episode number 87, and I am your host, as always, Stephanie Barty. So, I hope you guys are all having a great Monday, although it's Monday, how great could it possibly be? I am still in southern Ontario at my sister's, um, yeah, we're not going to get into that, because I'm not ready to get into that yet. But uh, I'm still here. Um, it is gorgeous. It was 32 today. That is 90 for our American friends, 100 with the humidity. Um, and the humidity was like 74%. So it was pretty hot, pretty humid. And I am not complaining. I love it. Love it. And where my room is, I'll tell you. About. Okay, we'll do housekeeping first. The end of the, the first of the month is coming, July first for us Canadians. That's Canada Day. Um, for Americans, it's just another day. But if you are in the quarterfinals for the um, Open Contract Challenge, that is when the um, things that are expected for that are due. And just a reminder. Um, who our 10 contestants are. We have Don Moultrup, we have Matt Lucas, Maggie D. Brace, Doug Holly, Christopher Bice, Walter G. Esselman, Jason C. Wint, J. Robert Bellamy, Vincent May, Gabriella Balcom, and that is our 10. So, y'all need to make sure... Make sure, make sure, make sure that the requirements that you need to do for this section of the contest are met and submitted by um, the 1st of July. So, one, I think it's the first chapter of your manuscript. And make sure that you have... A hook in that first chapter um, and I think it's ten poems and five comic books I go to the you'll know you got your email you'll know what you need to do get it done get it done and in by the first of July so that's coming up quick folks We're running out of time we are three days away from the launch of our June issue of um, the World of Myth magazine. And it's going to be a big in. We have a lot of um, submissions. And we have a lot of new writers. Like, I'm, 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 I'm amazed every month at the amount of new writers that we get to the magazine. 
um, when I took over as editor, I think we had started, we were getting maybe one new one every couple of months, every month or so, every couple of months. Uh, and now we're averaging three new writers every month to the magazine for submission. So yay, I'm excited about that. Uh, we have a few new ones this month too, so make sure you tune in in two days. Um, what else do we have for housekeeping? Ah, yes, 2M Magazine. You've heard me talk about 2M Magazine. That is going to be the paid hold in your hand. Use it as a fan on the really hot days. Swat flies, whatever, read it. Magazine that you have to buy, that you pay for with real money. Um, we have decided due to, um, well, it costs a lot of money to get a magazine off the ground, basically. You know, it's not a cheap endeavor to start. And um, we are raising those funds ourselves. So we have decided to postpone 2M Magazine until next year for launch. All right. So we're going to be working on it for the next year and doing everything we need to do, getting all our little duckies in a row, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, you know, all the euphemisms. And we will be launching, we'll be postponing it until next year. Okay. Also, I have a personal message, not from me, but from our fearless leader. He posted a photo of himself um, last week. Uh, Yes, I am talking about David K. Montoya. He has had a rough couple of weeks. And COVID has been hard on all of us. And especially those of us that fight with um, our mental health and we battle our mental health and fight with depression and all of that. The isolation can wear you down. Even when you're in a house full of people, you can feel like you are absolutely all alone. And as much as he is our fearless leader... As much as he does for everybody, and he is always there whenever somebody needs to talk, excuse me, or to vent, or a shoulder to cry on, he is always there. Sometimes those people need someone too. And um, depression showed up at his door and kicked the snot out of him. And he posted a picture, and he, to me... He looked absolutely heartbroken. He was sad, very sad. Um, He walked away from his podcast during this depression. There were a few other things that have taken place. And he, the personal message that I have is from him. And he would like to say thank you to everyone who reached out after he posted that picture on social media. (laughs) <laughs> he uh he's making fun he says sometimes my crazy slips but then i reel it back in so he wants to say thank you to everybody um for showing that you know we are a family and we do care about everybody from the ceo of the company right down to brand new writer that's just submitted for the first time we are a family and we stand with our family and we are here for our family and our family has each other's backs 
Um, if need be, we will drive across country to check on you and to be there for you. So that's a message from Dave. Thank you very much. All right. So Sunday was Father's Day. And um, I want to talk a little bit about fathers, about dads. You know, that dude. <laughs> I mean, there are good fathers. There are bad fathers. There are absentee fathers. There are um, hands-off fathers, hands-on fathers. There are fathers that are stay-at-home fathers. There are all kinds of dads. There are dads that are still here. There are dads that are not still here. And once a year, we say, hey, dad, cheers to you. And... Uh, we kind of honor those people. Now, yes, granted, there are dads that don't deserve that title and don't deserve that honor, but uh, we're not really going to talk about them right now because they're a waste of breath. My biological father is one of them. I affectionately refer to him as the sperm donor because that's all he was. He didn't raise me. He didn't nurture me. He didn't care about me. Um... When my mom divorced him, that was it. He was done. Didn't check up on me, nothing. So my stepdad, who is my brother and sister's dad, um, a note I said my brother and my sister. I didn't say my half-brother. I didn't say my half-sister. Because at our house, we were brother and sister. There was no half about it. They were my siblings, and it, we're still that way. And my dad was my dad. In every sense of the word, except biology, he was my dad. Right down to the fact that out of all of us, him and I were the only two allergic to penicillin. <laughs> um, he met my mom when I was four, I think, four or five. And he knew she came with baggage, you know, me. Um, and he, he took her out on a date and he took her out on a couple of dates and then they started getting serious and then he took me out with them on a date and got to know me. And uh, when they got married, I was part of it. He gave my mom um, her wedding ring, obviously, and said his wedding vows to her. And then he gave me a ring that had three, it was a gold ring, and had three little gold hearts on it. And he said vows to me, promising to be my dad and to care for me and to love me like my dad for the rest of his life. And he did. He did that. Um, so Father's Day, I miss him very, very much because he was very much a family man. And he would have loved to have been surrounded by all of his children. Like There's three of us. And we all have children. So he was, he had, he has, would have had if he had have lived. Um, I have three. My sister has two, so that makes five. And my brother has two, so that's seven. He has seven grandchildren. And he has one, two great grandchildren. And he would have been absolutely thrilled to just sit in a chair Surrounded by all of the chaos and the noise that comes with seven grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. <laughs> that would have been his favorite time. 
So Father's Day is kind of hard for me because I really miss him. He's, he'll be gone. It's 13 years this August. Um, you've heard me talk about him, so I'm not going to get into details. But um, yeah, it takes a good man to take on somebody else's child and make them their own. And uh, I hats off to the men that do that. Um, Phil, the man I'm married to, he did that. He took my two boys in and um, he is their dad. They call him dad. My oldest is going to change his last name. And um, officially be adopted. And uh, we'll change his birth certificate to reflect Phil being his dad. Um, so, you know, the men that take on a woman who has children and, or even the, the women who take on a man who has children, hats off to you because it's not an easy thing to do. And then there's dads that are single dads and no parent sets out to be a single parent. That is not the general plan when you think about having children, um, you're always hoping that you're going to have somebody in your corner. And, you know, you're going to be tag teaming these kids because they're wily. They will outsmart you. Trust me. My nephew outsmarts me on a daily basis and he's only two. But uh, you don't set out to be a single parent. But circumstances happen and situations happen and... Sometimes you end up being a single parent and you have to be both mom and dad. You have to be um, the voice of, of discipline and the voice of reason, but you also have to be the one that's going to break the rules and do the fun. So you're doing a dual role. You're, you have to have this duality and it's, it's difficult. I was a single mom for a few years when the boys were very little. So being a single parent is not easy, especially when um, you're not expecting to be a single parent, like your spouse dies or um, there's a sudden divorce and or they just stop and leave and there you are. Holy crap. Now I have to raise these children by myself. I have to figure it out. I don't have somebody else I can lean on and I can depend on to help me do this. So hats off to all those fathers that are doing double duty and, you know, raising their kids by themselves the best they can and putting their kids first aside from their happiness and aside from their, you know, fun and entertainment and the things that they want to do and putting their dreams aside to make sure that, you know, their kids are happy and their kids are healthy and their kids have a place to live and food on the table and clothes on their backs. Hats off to you guys. And then there's the dads that are dads to fur babies. And there are a lot of reasons why um, a couple does not have children. It could be that they chose to not have children. Um, and it could be the fact that one or both cannot biologically create a child. And I know that is the case for... Um, some of my friends, two that are very, very dear to me, um, 
have tried and tried and tried and tried and they are parents to fur babies because they can't have two-legged babies so they have four-legged babies and um you know hats off to them too why can't they have a father's day they care about their fur babies they look after their fur babies they make sure their fur babies have toys and food and get walked and get their shots and all of that stuff so hats off to them too you know it breaks my heart that when these days roll around you know mother's day and father's day and and things like that and you see the faces of the people who can't have children and want children desperately. Um, that breaks my heart. So I really, really do feel for them. And, uh, and then you have the military dads who don't have a choice but to be away from their kids. And they're lucky if they get a phone call. But uh, being a parent is probably the toughest job you will ever have. Certainly will be the longest. I can guarantee you that. It will be the longest. (coughs) Because you are a parent from the minute that child is conceived. This is my opinion. So don't be sending me messages saying, no, 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 you're wrong. This is my opinion. You don't like it? Fine. Anyway, you are a parent the minute that child is conceived until the day you die. You can't change that fact. You fathered or mothered a child. Now, I say the minute that child is conceived because for me... And I'm not, I'm not getting into any of the politics. It's your body, you do with it as you see fit. My body, I do with it as I see fit. That's all I'm saying. Um, because while you're pregnant, while the woman is pregnant, she needs to take vitamins, she needs to get enough sleep, she needs to eat the proper foods, she's got to make sure she stays healthy. The dad... You gotta make sure that pregnant lady is happy and content or she will make your life a living hell. Trust me, I was a pregnant lady, I know. So, not only are you working, but if, you know, the pregnant lady is anything like me, you're getting poked at 3 o'clock in the morning because suddenly somebody wants um, pepperoni sticks and chocolate milk. So, you are pretty much a parent from conception. Because you're already doing stuff for that kid, or at least for the vessel that's creating that kid, until the kid is there. So hats off to all the dads on Father's Day. You guys rock, and keep up the good work. And if you're not putting in the good work, then I suggest you give your head a shake and figure it out. Because kids only stay little for so long, and then they're grown and have lives of their own. So enjoy them while you can. Okay, so I have been asked um, a few times now to talk about a specific topic, um, and I keep forgetting. (laughs) 
So I will be talking about that now, and I can tell you one thing. There is somebody that is editing this podcast right now going, yes, finally! Because he's only been asking me for the last, I think since episode 82, he's been asking me, are you going to talk about this? Are you going to talk about this? Because we did get requests from the listeners um, wanting to know my journey to becoming a writer. Like my journey after getting published and all of that. And since we are coming up to the next stage of the Open Contract Challenge on July 1st, um, it's starting to get down to the wire and the, we're starting to get down to numbers where one of these people, one of these 10 people that are left and after the first, one of those five people will be the winner and they will have a publishing contract. So what happens from there? Um, my, I, my publishing story is kind of a little different than most people. I mean, I, I submitted to publishers, I submitted to agents, I got the rejection letters, but a lot of people put in years and years and years of doing that. I kind of got lucky because I knew some, I knew a guy who knew a guy and I just kind of happened to be in the right conversation at the right time and found Dave is my publisher. So what do you, what happens after you're published? Okay, great. Your book's out. Awesome. Now what? Well, unless you have a, you know, $10,000 or more budget, you're out there slogging your book. It's not going to sell itself. So, and I'm like, I'm always telling you guys that you're, you are what is selling, not the book. The book is going to get them to come back. You are going to get them to read the book. If they can't connect with you, if they can't find even something in common with you or um, an interest in you, they're not going to be interested in your book. They're not going to want to read it. They need to feel a connection with you. I know it's weird connecting with strangers, but... That's what you have to do. They need to feel a connection with you. They need to like you. Um, And what I started doing six months before the release of my book, I started putting short stories up. I started submitting short stories to the World of Myth magazine. And I built a following through those short stories. So when the book came out, I had people that already knew my writing, already knew my style, knew me. Um, I had started podcasting with Mike, so they kind of got to know my personality, and it really helped with sales. Um, Friends and family helped too. You pester the living daylights out of them and kind of guilt them into buying a book. (laughs) I don't care if they read it, just buy it. Um, Talking to people. I'm always telling you guys you need to, and I know it's hard because most writers are very introverted people. We create worlds, we create people, we create situations. So we don't actually have to go out into the world and live these situations and talk to people. But you need to talk to people. And I have two different personas. I've got my persona that, you know, my family sees and sees somebody on the street. Hey, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then I have my public persona that... I take when I go to conventions, when I go to conferences, when I'm doing um, like a public speaking event, like I did at Elmville, 
um, street fair and like I did it at Astra. And that's my professional persona, so to speak. You're a writer. You step into that character. And that's how I look at it, as you're stepping into a character, which is a lot easier for writers to do. Because you've created this character, so now you can create this persona that you can step into. And you need to effectively sell your book to the person you're talking to. Because they have no idea who you are. They have no idea what your book is about. You know, the cover may have attracted their attention or um, they may have gone to a workshop that you've done or a public speaking or a public reading that you've done and that caught their attention or they're just wandering by your table and that's your moment. The first connection, that's your moment to sell your book. Um, and it's not easy. Trust me, I have changed my character, I don't know how many times. The first time I did an event, um, I can't remember. I think it was Elmville Street Fair. I think that might have been my first public event as a writer. And I had my own booth, my own table, I had everything all set up. And... Um, I changed my persona, I think, person to person for the first two hours, trying to figure out what was going to work. If this didn't work and I didn't sell a book, okay, let's change that. Let's try something else. Let's open with a joke. Let's try and be funny. Let's try and be sincere. And as writers, we are really good at reading people. We like to people watch. So we know body language. We know... Um, interests and things like that and you you need to pay attention to the person standing in front of you and if you see them kind of pulling back and disengaging from the conversation find a way to pull them back in you would be amazed I wrote a past life love story at the core eternally bound is a love story and I have sold, I think, the same amount of books to men that I did to women. Now, why did I sell these books to men? Because men will read a book that does have a love story to it if there's something in it that interests them. And it just so happens that the lead character in my book is a shipbuilder. He builds big schooners. And I had to research how to do that. So I can tell you exactly how to build a schooner, how to place and seat the first beam so that the rest of the way to the boat, the ribbing sits nicely. I can tell you how to spin a dowel into a joiner pin. What kind of wood you need to use. I can tell you all that. I can also tell you how to blow it up. Because I had to look that, I had to research that too. I can tell you all about a battle on a beach between pirates, raiders, and the townsfolk. And the blood, guts, and gore that was spilt. And the violence. And how, you know, how you make that move when you spin and you take the butt of your gun and you bring it down on the face of the guy that's stabbing you in the back. And then you spin it and you 
jam it into the ribs of the guy coming at you. I can tell you exactly how to do all that. And those are what sold it to the men. Because they had the action. They had the ships. They had the pirates. They had the pyrotechnics. Yeah. Yeah, a little romance. All right. They can read through that. They had murder. They had kidnapping. So they had all the action and suspense. A little bit of romance. And then they can pass the book on to their wife or borrow it from their wife. And then the wives, then they have something to discuss. So you need to find your hook. What's going to interest people. And what interests some people might not be, oh, excuse me, might not be what interests other people. Read the people and get out. Go to street fairs. Get a table. Go to street fairs. Sell your stuff. Sell your stuff. Sell yourself. Because it's not easy. Um, I started writing the book 14 years ago. I wrote it off and on. And, 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 and. My mom got sick of reading the first nine chapters. And she said, you have till Christmas. I want the rest of the book. The book is finishing out, at, finished out at 25 chapters. So I wrote a whole bunch of words. And I really believed in it. And that's the thing. You have to believe in what you've written. You have to be passionate about it. Because your passion will inspire passion in somebody else. It will make them excited about your book. If you're excited about your book. Um, and like I said, my, my publishing career, my, my uh, foray into being a published author was a little different than most people. And, um, I've been approached a couple of times by bigger publishing houses. Um, I'm loyal. I've said no, I'm loyal. And I always wanted to make writing my career. So I got my book published. Yay. That was an experience and a half. When you rip open that box... When you get your books for the first time and you rip open that box. I mean, the galley is one thing. It's, it's your book, but it's not your perfect book. It's not sellable. And my first galley, whoa, that was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. And I still have it. Um, because it reminds me of the fact that I am a damn good writer. I am a damn good editor because whoever they had editing, um, which they weren't supposed to because my publisher already had an editor. It didn't need to be edited. I hate that word. That word is so hard to say um, because I pretty much write and it's already edited when I write it. It's just, I'm anal that way. Um, Oh my God, my brain just completely shut off. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, the galley was really, really bad. And the galley is the first thing that you get. It's got the cover on it. It's in book form. 
It's like, it looks like it's gonna, it's done on cheap paper because it's, it's not the real thing. It's not what's being sold, but it gives you the idea of what it's going to look like. So it gets you a little more excited. And, um, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I was livid. I called Dave a few choice names because I didn't realize that it wasn't him. And it wasn't my editor that had done these, had made these horrific, horrific changes. Horrific. By the time I got to page four, I was, I was over it. I, okay, no, no, I cannot go any farther. Um, I was taking picture after picture after picture because Dave said, take pictures of what's wrong and show me and I'll fix it. So I'm taking pictures and like, a hundred pictures. I finally just called. I'm like, David, this is not right. I'm not happy. <laughs> this is not what I wrote. It wasn't even what I wrote. They completely changed, completely changed sentences, rewrote entire paragraphs to make absolutely no sense at all. So Dave looked it over, he calmed me down. He says, I'll take care of it. He looked it over. He says, we didn't make those changes. We did not make those changes. The printer made those changes. So we did not go with that printer again. Um, so yeah, I keep that galley because it was the first time I have ever experienced sheer and complete, utter panic. Because here is my baby. I wrote this book. It's my baby. My heart and soul are in this book. Blood, sweat, and a whole lot of tears are in this book. And it's destroyed. It's changed so far from what I'd written it didn't look the same at least not to me I mean I had other people look at the changes and they went those are minor they can be fixed no that's not the point to me it was huge huge and I was devastated so remember you're going to feel that that's going to happen I was devastated so, I was told, don't worry about it. It'll be taken care of. I got a brand new galley. And it was so much better. It was so much better. It was beautiful. It was exactly what I had written. The right words. And I mean, I am the type of person I did sit down with my original manuscript. Because I'm thinking, oh, I, there's no way I missed that mistake. There's no way I wrote that like that. Um... And I was told that the editor was only changing the spelling from Canadian to American. So I, I second-guessed myself. And I, I sat down with the original manuscript that I had sent to Dave. And I sat down with the original galley and went, Oh, no, that's not even close to what I wrote. Which is where the devastation and the panic set in. Because here's my baby. I sent it out into the world and somebody has abused it. And broke it. And then gave it back to me. Broken. So the next galley was much better. It was perfect. Um, 
Every word was there that was supposed to be there. The words that weren't supposed to be there weren't there. It was lovely. And it looked fantastic. And then I got this box of books. Um, and I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this box of books? You mean I have to go sell them now? Wait a minute, I wrote it. Why do I have to sell it? Oh, right, because I don't have a multi-million dollar advertising budget. Okie dokie. So yeah, you have to go out and you have to do your own advertising. And you are the best person to do it because you wrote the book. You understand the characters. You know them inside and out, up and down, every which way because you created them. That very first book sale. And I didn't want to assume that people would want me to sign the books. So I didn't sign them ahead of time. I thought, you know, if I sell the book, I will ask them, do you want me to autograph it? If they said no, I'd okay, that's fine. I wasn't going to have pre-signed books because I was a little presumptuous on my part, I thought. So the very first book sale, I sold it. And, you know, gave her the book. She looks at me. Well, aren't you going to sign it? Oh, I didn't know if you wanted me to. She says, well, of course. Why would I buy a book from the author and not get the author to sign it? Okie dokie. Thank you very much. You've made my day. Yada, yada, yada. Tears streaming down my face as I'm signing this book. Here you go. Thank you. I, would, I even wanted to give her her money back because it was just such a thrill to have a complete stranger. Be interested enough after my spiel to buy my book. And I will tell you now, getting feedback on your book, getting reviews on your book, very rare, very hard to get. The way I have learned to look at it in the two years since my book has been published, two years, a year, two years, two years. I don't know. I'm just arguing with myself. Um, Since my book has been published, I've gotten a few reviews on Amazon, but the way I look at it is if they really, really hated it, people are, are more apt to speak up if they think something sucks. They're more apt to tell you it sucks if they think it sucks. Then they are to tell you it's fantastic and I absolutely loved it. So the way I see it is no reviews are good reviews. If nobody's saying nothing negative or anything about your book, then they liked it or they liked something about it. So go with that. Um, do conventions. Don't think that you can't go to a sci-fi fantasy convention and sell a romance novel because you can. My book has three ghosts in it. One of them is a Celtic witch. Therefore, I got in on the fantasy line. Um, There's time travel. I got in on the sci-fi line. Anyway, do the conventions, do the street fairs, do... You know, the festivals, the butter tart festivals and the whatever. Set up a table. Book a spot. Set up a table. Sell your book. I did the tall ships. 
it was this event in Midland, all the schooners and tall ships. And I mean, it was kind of perfect because my book is about schooners. But I mean, you've got people that are down there and they're selling um, dream catchers and they're selling native art and they're selling jams and they're selling honey and t-shirts and, you know, paintings and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then there's me and my friend Alex, Lally, Lally Napier, and we're selling books that we wrote at a tall ship event. I sold out, sold every book I took. I think I took about 30 of them, sold every single one of them before the end of the weekend. It was a two-day event. And I sold out by 3 o'clock Sunday. And I still had three hours to go. So I was sending people up the road to the bookshop that had five more of my books. They sold out. It was great. <laughs> um, we had a cruise ship come in. And most people on cruise ships don't buy souvenirs. Because they have to go by weight. So, But they'll buy books. They will, they will. Sold them some books. So anyway, don't think... That, you know, farmer's market, set up a table, sell your book, get your name out there, do the podcasts, print up some business cards, people, oh, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a writer. Here's my card. Check me out. Get a website. Get a website. Oh yeah, my domain needs, my domain is due soon. Um, yeah, get a website, put up a website, write a blog, do some YouTube videos, create a public Facebook page, engage with people. Twitter, there's a whole writing community, hashtag writing community on Twitter that you can hawk your wares, promote your stuff, connect with other writers, TikTok, Instagram, social media is your friend. Don't be afraid of it. Use it. Because like I said at the beginning of this, turned into more of a TED Talk than it did my journey into um, writing. But you're selling yourself. And trust me, that confidence will come. It'll get easier each and every time. It'll get easier and easier. Just remember, you're stepping into a character you're creating. And that makes it easier. I haven't, my journey hasn't been easy. Um... I've had to make a lot of sacrifices to get where I am and I'm not exactly where I want to be yet, but I am working towards it. I've taken side gigs. Like you want to be a writer, you're not going to get rich off your first book. You can't sit back and live on the royalties while you write book two. It's not how it works. So if you want to be a writer, do the writing, do the writing. It doesn't matter what kind of writing you're doing, do the writing. Um, I ghostwrite. And if I turn out four books a year, I make 20 grand American. Which frees me up to do my writing and my editing for the magazine and my podcasting. I am now living the life that I want to live. Ish. I'm getting there. A few other quirks that need to be hammered out. But anyway, I digress. So it's not an easy road and it's a very long road. Um, I am just on the very beginning of that road. 
I've been probably traveling it a lot longer than some, not as long as others. Everybody's on a different place in that road. Once you get published, that road starts all over in a different direction. You get that book. So, I think I'm going to leave that off there for this week. Uh, If you have any questions, if you want to talk to me about writing, you want to ask me anything about writing, I am not claiming to be a professional. I do not know everything. I just know my journey. And if I can help you bypass some of those hurdles and escape some of those pitfalls that I've fallen into, all right, I'm here for you. You know I'm here for you. Okay, folks, until next week, check us out at www.theworldofmyth.com. Find us over on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine. You can find the podcast over on Facebook at The World of Myth Bits Podcast. You can find us on Twitter under The World of Myth Magazine and The World of Myth Bits Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Lupa B. I am also on Facebook at author Stephanie Barty. You can find us on Instagram at Open Contract Challenge and Stephanie Barty Author. And I'm on TikTok. Lady Lou Who, come find me. All right, everybody, I will talk to you all next week. Actually, no, I'm going to rant on you, to you on Thursday on Lupa's Bits, so don't forget to head on over there and check that out. All right, see ya. The World of Myth Bits.